Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi friends, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you so much for showing up in this space. We're talking with Jill Schlesinger today. She's a CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and author of the book. I love this title, you guys, The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money. I love this book title. It's a great book, you guys. It also makes a great gift for the holidays. The holidays are coming at us fast. Sometimes holidays can bring a financial burden or financial stress to some of us. So what's your best piece of advice to relieve that for our listeners? I want you to think back about all the holidays that you've had in your life and try to remember a really distinguishing present that you received. I dare you. You will not remember. You will not remember. So I promise you that no one's going to remember the dopey gift you gave or didn't give. So first of all, like, let's get our brains together here, right? Every bit of research in the world tells us that experience is far more long-lasting than a physical gift. And why is that so important? Because if you're really, if you're sort of feeling like, oh my God, I got to get everybody a gift, maybe the gift that you really should be giving is the gift of time. Um, and I remember I used to always do this with my parents where, you know, when my, par- my father was alive, I would say, you know what? Um, I'm coming up just, I'm coming up with my sister and the four of us would go out and we would never do that. I mean, we'd always find ourselves like in this weird, like, oh, you know, the four of us are together because someone died or this happened or that. And so we decided we were going to try to make it um, a, at least an annual and more than that, like a seasonal event where just the four of us, the family of origin got together. You know what? My parents love their in-laws. They love everybody, Right but they love having us to themselves. So sometimes I think that we, I mean, like, what am I going to do? Get my father another golf sweater? All he wants to do is have dinner with his girls. And that's, so that's number one. Number two is the amount of money you spend has absolutely no impact on whether or not someone's going to love you or like you or even give a shit about you. Sorry for that. Drop it. That's okay. That's why we love podcasts, Jill. Exactly. And I always think about this because I think we drive ourselves nuts and to what end? So what I think it's like anything else in your financial life, like, yes, of course you want to have a budget, but just remember that nobody's going to care. Nobody really cares about, I know this sounds terrible because you're spending tons of time thinking about it, but I promise you, nobody really cares about your Christmas card. No one cares about your Hanukkah card. No one cares about your New Year's card. Your people who care about you care about you. Everyone else is really superfluous. So for the holidays, I challenge you to do this. I challenge you to sit down with your spouse and say, who is the inner circle? Who do we want to really do something for? And then be thoughtful about what can we do? And if it's like your best friends and their kids, you say, okay, you know what we're going to do? Instead of going out and buying them gifts, we're going to just have, like, we're going to have a pizza party as two families, and that's our Christmas gift to each other. And if it's your Christmas card, I mean, listen, you can make a card for two cents now. You don't have to worry about this. Or you don't have to worry and become like your your mother or father whispering in your ear, like, how could you not send a physical card? Send an e-card. Who cares? No one's really, if, if they're your really close friends, they're not judging you. And if they are judging you, then 
honest to God, they're probably not very good friends. So when I give gifts, I really try to, and I do this on a corporate level, right? So I have my own little business. I have people I care about, but I, I make my list and I say, how much do I want to spend? And then I decide how to fill it in. My executive producer, I would do anything in the world. For Lisa, I will, you know, buy the nicest bottle of beautiful wine that I can get. But you know what? For the security guard at CBS, who I love, who doesn't expect anything from me, for me to get him a bottle of wine, it doesn't have to be a $100 bottle of wine. It's a token of like my appreciation. Hey, you know what? I walk in the door in the morning and you smile at me and you make me happy. That's it. And everything else is nonsense. Even for your kids. I know that it's so hard to do because we all get caught up in this craziness. but you know, it's funny. I grew up in a Jewish household, not religious, but Jewish. And it was a time when Hanukkah was sort of like, my parents said like, Hanukkah is not a big holiday. Like that's the deal. You know, you're getting a pair of socks on night three. Like we've all sort of lost our way a little bit with any of these occasions. So just remember, I don't remember a Hanukkah present I got. I don't even, my birthday usually falls right around Hanukkah. I don't remember a birthday present I got. I really don't. I just remember that you know, someone will think of me. And that to me is what we lose sight of. Um, I also think it's kind of annoying as somebody who doesn't have children that for a lot of people, it becomes this like crazy, I'm going to write my next book, by the way, it's uh, my cousin and I, who neither of us have children. We are going to write the non-parents guide to parenting. (laughs) Please do. We need your help. Um, And what I would say is that you know what? All these things that you're doing for your kids, I get it. I feel the pressure for you. I have 13 nieces and nephews on one side and three on the other side. It's hard. And as a, but they really don't care. They really do not care. So um, let's keep our, our heads on straight and let's not go into hock to do Christmas, Hanukkah or anything else. And just kind of if you have like you have to have like a north star. Hold up your wrist. Oh, you don't. You can't. They, it's not visual, but you're. I think that that's a good reminder that like if something in your life is important to you, and you want to mark that, that's great. But I, I just think that we've let this all get a little bit out of control. I love your challenge. I'm going to definitely take you up on that. It's so good. But what's your, so what's your best practical advice? If you do set a budget, what's your practical advice about sticking to that budget over the Oh, so you know, the, the big deal is that you actually have to create a list and you have to have a budget and then you have to assign dollars to it. And then you actually go out and fill up the category. I'm a spreadsheet queen. I love spreadsheets like crazy. I grew up on Lotus 1, 2, 3, so I love any sort of spreadsheet. And so you need to create a list and then you need to stick to your list. And um, my favorite thing, of course, is that, for example, like um, on what, you know, it's, it's sort of not even like a day anymore. You know, Cyber Monday used to be a thing, but now it's the whole week, right? So throughout that Black week, Friday, Cyber Black Monday. Friday, Cyber Monday, don't forget about Giving Tuesday, which I do love. But what I would say is that if you've got a list and you've got a budget and you start now and you start to like pretty much track things and you'll see that, you know, there's a billion different apps, you know, Shopify, et cetera, but that you organize yourself and put on an alert for an item, 
but don't go crazy. I mean, I really do think it's more about if a family of four makes $100,000 a year, it is not rational to spend $10,000 on Christmas, okay? Everyone get over it. It's just not. And you know that. So if you have to go into debt and carry that and you cannot pay that debt off on January 2nd when the bill comes, that is too much money for your family. That's what you need to know. Any accumulation of debt is really a bad idea. So it's out of cash flow. What can we afford? We can start now, but there's no shortchanging retirement. There's no shortchanging, you know, putting money away into the 529 plan if you're doing this. It's just, it, it really requires some discipline. You're, it's almost like you're asking me, how do we stick to a diet? In the book, I do say like diet and exercise are very good metaphor for money and personal finance. I am like your trainer. You go to the, I make you go to the gym and you show up and you do it, but I cannot do the exercise for you. Right. And I am like the, the, the diet guru who says, by the way, you know, you're over 50 years old or you're over 40 years old. And guess what, ladies? Uh, it's really hard to keep weight off when you're eating like a pig. So stop eating like a pig. I can't make you not eat. What I can do is I can raise the awareness and I can make the connection, which is, gosh, you know what? Women over 40 who are overweight have a much higher risk of heart disease. And heart disease means that essentially you're putting yourself and your family at risk. I know you don't want to do that. So can we, what can we do to get on the same page to get you to eat better and you know, walk outside three days a week? Okay, so that's the same thing with your finances. I am not telling you that going carrying 10 grand of credit card debt is going to kill you. But what I am saying is that it shortchanges your experience of being able to do what you want to do and accomplish your financial goals over the long term. So I'd hate for people to be spending a little too much at the holidays at the expense of maxing up, maximizing their retirement accounts, spending too much at the holidays at the expense of um, maybe saving enough money to send your kids to day camp next summer at, which then forces you to go to your parents, which hat in hand, who likes to do this and say, uh, can you help me out with camp? Nobody wants to do that. So why are we putting ourselves in the position to do it? That's great advice, Jill. And I love the analogy of the dieting. Yeah, it sucks, <laughs> so man. To think of it like that. Thanks. I know. Listen, I'm a lifetime member of Weight Watchers. And when I walked into that meeting in 1986 and I stepped on that scale, it was brutal. It was scary. It really was. I stopped playing. I got an injury. I stopped playing sports in college because of the injury. It's my senior year and I'm ballooning up. I gained 30 pounds from freshman year to senior year. And it was daunting. But the, and actually the first time I went to the meeting, I left because I was so ashamed, you oh. know? And so I walked out and then I went back and I stepped on the scale and it's scary, but you step on the scale and then you say, these people who are here are going to help me. And I'd say the same thing about financial planning, like not paying attention to your money. It's akin to me not stepping on the scale. If we can step on the scale and we can be open and honest with ourselves, with our spouses and our families, we will prevent a lot of the problems we might run into down the line. Yes, very true. I love that. So Jill, I'm not sure how this happened, but all of a sudden we have like, we're in November and 2019 is quickly coming to an end. 
So what is your best advice for end of the year financial planning? Do you have any tips for our listeners? Like now that we're in the final couple months of 2019, yeah, I don't know how that happened, but um, what should we be thinking about as this 2019 wraps up? So a few things, of course, the tax law is now in its second year. And so people have a much better idea of their tax situation coming into next spring it may be a good year for you to say, hey, um, I claim the standard deduction in 2018. Am I going to itemize this year or not? If you're going to itemize, maybe it's time to step up some of your charitable contributions. Maybe this is a time where you say, actually, instead of blowing all this money on, on Christmas and Hanukkah or whatever holiday, I actually have the chance to put a little bit of extra money into my 401k. You might want to say to your employer, I'm at 10%. Pop me up to 15% for the last two months of the year and take that money out of my hand so I can automatically put it aside. Um, if you have a taxable investment account, this is a very good time of the year to start to say, um, can I take some winners and take some losers and not have a tax event doing that? So did I get unlucky? Did I buy something and made a mistake? Should I sell it and take a loss? If I take a loss, maybe I'll take a gain at the exact same time, and then I won't have any tax event. And if you are thinking about, you know, sort of the year end and you're self-employed, there are a lot of different retirement plans that actually have to be established before the calendar year end, but they don't have to be funded until April when you file your taxes. So if you've got your own business, maybe it's time for you to think about a, a retirement plan that you can put into place. So a lot of different things I'm throwing at you. It may be that the best thing you can do before the end of the year is to simply look at your financial life and say, how are we doing? And if you need some help, there's plenty of great financial advisors out there. I've got a, on, on my website, if you go to jillonmoney.com and you click resources, I have questions to ask a financial advisor before you engage them and who really needs financial advisors. Now is a very good time to actually create a relationship with somebody. Same goes with a tax attorney or, sorry, tax planner or a CPA, because now is a time where they actually can take on new clients. You don't want to call one of these people at you know, March 28th and say, oh, I really need your help. So if something has changed in your life, something complicated has occurred, now's a very good time to engage that type of professional. Okay, I'm on it. That's such. That's really helpful. You're speaking like directly to me, Jill. It's kind of weird. Um, I'm taking it all in though, so it's good. Any early financial related predictions for 2020 that you? Oh want to yes, I'd love to make predictions. No, I don't. I'm totally a liar. Um, I, I here's what I know. We're coming into the end of the year. We are in the longest expansion, meaning period of growth in U.S. economic history, going back to the 1850s. We are in the longest bull market of the modern era. And these things will come to a close. There will be a time when the market drops more than 20%. We'll be in a bear market. And there's no reason for you to wait until that time to prepare for that. The way you can prepare for that eventuality is to cover those big three items, which is pay down your consumer debt, have an emergency reserve fund of six to 12 months of living expenses, and maximize your retirement plan. But also, really understand that the bad times are going to come. And you need to be brutally honest with yourself. And if that means you should be 
cultivating that side hustle because you're the type of business that could really fall prey to bad times in a recession, then cultivate it. Or if you're working in a job or you and your spouse are kind of be honest with yourselves and say, hey, the labor market still is pretty strong. Should I try to solidify my position in this company? Am I in a division of this company that could really be under pressure if the tide turns? How do I get myself in a place where I can be a survivor? How do I make sure that I'm the person that people want to keep when the bad times come about? That might mean raising your hand to doing something. You know, look, a lot of people, when the market turns and gets good, they're sort of like, screw the boss. I am just like, they don't care about me, so I'm not going to care about them. And I think that's really self-defeating because I think as someone who used to own a company, the people who make themselves indispensable are the people who basically say, I'll just do anything. How can I help? And those are the last people you want to cut when bad times arise. What about social media, Jill? Those, those of my, my listeners that know me know that I love social media so much. What platform do you see as the big one in 2020? Oh, now you're going to get me into this. So I just interviewed a woman who worked at both Google and um, and then at Twitter. And I, I basically told her that I am a social media hater on some level. And here's why. Um, because I don't, I think it's great to use social media to sort of stay connected. And yes, LinkedIn is uh, good for networking. And yes, Facebook is good for your friends. And yes, Twitter is good for news junkies. And yes, Instagram is great for the visual. But what I can really tell you is this, for all of the best parts of social media, I think that you need to remember that human touch is incredibly important, that old school communication tools like email and the telephone work wonders. And what's interesting is I know that there may be some younger people who think that's a waste of time, but here's the thing. While old farts like me are still in the workplace, you would be shocked to learn how often we are delighted to get an email from somebody who just says, I was thinking about you which is different than liking something on Facebook. Remember, there is, um, there's a laziness of social media. A retweet is lazy. A like is lazy, right? A hard, it, it really is. But real engagement requires you to put yourself out there and to then say, I was thinking about you. I ran across this article. I was thinking about you. Or frankly, let's just think about how you and I got connected. You reached out to your friend. Your friend is my producer at work. And my producer sends me a note and says, call me when you get a chance. She texts me. I call her and she talks to me about, I have this friend who's got a podcast. She'd really love to have you on. And I said, Lisa, if it's your friend, I'm doing it. Now, if you just followed me or even sent me a direct message, what is the likelihood that I would have done this? I'm busy, whatever. I'm so important. Whatever the excuses. It would not have happened in this way. So I think. It's very important to use those platforms in the way they are meant to be used, which is sort of like your first line of communication. But real engagement, real engagement is about connecting with people in a way that's more than I like it, I check it, I, it just, it's different. And so I would really tell you that 
the killer app of 2020, the killer social communication tool may just be your email inbox and your telephone. Yep. Old school. Well, that's, that's another challenge for everyone listening. Go engage, right? Get out there and engage. That's so important. Get out in your communities and engage and uh, go old school with the phone and the email. That's great advice. So Jill, what's next for you? What's, what's on, what's going on in your world? What's next? Okay. Right about now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to take a nap maybe. No, you know, I'm not going to take a nap. So, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, 2020 is looming large for me because obviously in a political year, my job and my role at CBS is to really break down what's going on in the economy. But it's also to look at the Democratic primary and try to put into context what each of these candidates' plans mean to you. And so I will be working very hard. I, I wrote this long post about, you know, Medicare for all, and I got inundated with questions and people are just really confused. So I think what my 2020 is going to look like is, uh, number one, uh, really wrapping my arms around the differences among all the different candidates and trying to bring that information to our audience. And then in my personal world, it's to keep building up the podcast, building the radio show. And I drop the paperback version of my book in February. So it'll be perfect just in time for tax season. So that's kind of what I'm doing and rocking and rolling and having fun and doing stuff like this with people that I don't know who I've now met and have a new friend. I know, Jill, you've been so great. And I do want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Lisa Zobel at CBS News. Thank you to Lisa for connecting us. And Jill, tell everyone how to find you, even though um, I know they want, you want us all to engage, but to follow all of your updates on social, give us your handle. At Jill on Money. And JillOnMoney.com is my website, so all my stuff is there. And if you have a financial question and you want to ask it or you want to come on my radio show or podcast, it's very easy. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. That's awesome. Yeah. And everyone needs to be following you on all those platforms. And we love podcasts since, since we're both in that world. It's so fun. The audio space is growing. And my prediction for 2020 is that podcasts are just going to get bigger and bigger. So it's awesome that we're both in that world together. And Jill, thank you so much for being on the show today. We loved having you. It was so great, Jill. Well, thank you very much. And I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best luck growing the crap out of this podcast. Have fun doing it. Thanks so much, Jill. We'll see you on CBS News. Thanks again. Take care. Thank you for listening to My Mom's Podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. Also, rate and review all her podcasts, too. And please share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. She's Nina B. Clark. Clark has an E at the end. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thanks again for listening. Let's keep being awesome. XOXO.